immediately he is greeted with the sight of the bloody Owens, who is on his hands and knees, basically crawling towards the door. Murders, mysteries, unexplained stories, and our family's crazy opinions on them all. Join us now. The Family School of Thought is in session. Hey, everybody. Welcome again to this week's edition of The Family School of Thought. Hope everybody had a great week. Um, I'm ready to get started as whenever you guys are. That means, Cassie, the weather in Portland is what? In in Ovid or in Portland? Portland. Did I say Ovid? Uh, it sounded like Ovid to me. Um, yeah, in, in Portland, it's is... secretly at home, and you're not telling us. No. That's just a backdrop of your house, right? Nope, this is Behind real. Really, the I other room. Things. That's her real bedroom. Real bedroom. Uh, yeah, we go in there for. I the am at home. I'm not at your home. Uh, um, but home. today the weather was really nice. Um, but that is just because we've had hundred degree weather for the past week. So it was really mm. nice to only be eighty today. <laughs> 80 today? Yeah. And it was... Wow. We were all laughing that it was cold last night. And we actually had to wear comforters <laughs> and clothes. Oh, how cold did it get down to? Only 70. Oh, jeez. But it, it's... Are you having it any has, of the effects from it, the hurricanes? No, not the hurricanes. But it's, it's been... Well, I don't think we're going to get too much of that. Well, but. I know it's going south, but I don't know if it... No, Got we've just had an extreme heat wave. Like, it hasn't gone below 80 um, for, like, a week. So, oh. it's been super, super hot. We are going to be into the 90s by this weekend. And tomorrow it's supposed to be 90s. Uh, 98, and they said over 100. We're supposed to, we're supposed to have thunderstorms all day tomorrow, too. Mm. Right, but they said um, the heat index is going to be over 100 on the news this morning. But we're going to have thunderstorms. They're never right. So. Up, up north over the weekend, what's the weather? Supposed to be 90. Up? Well, it's supposed to be 59 at night, 87, 90 on Saturday, and 80-something on Sat Sunday. And so no it's going to be perfect weather for, like, being at the lake. And on Saturday, it's going to be a gorgeous day at the lake. But 59 for the low, so that's pretty chilly. Mm -hmm. So make sure you bring warm, I mean, I don't, it might be chilly for you to golf or something if you want to wear it. I think we'll, we'll figure it out. Okay. okay. Jess, how's the weather where you're at? It's great. Good. Great. Oh, it's good where you're at. It's always good. Yep. Yeah. All right. Guess, Jess, you got some, uh. Facts for us to go. Yes, on. I do. So, um, mental floss, amazing facts, calendar. Did you guys know? I think some of you guys have already probably know this. Prince originally wrote Purple Rain as an instrumental track for Stevie Nicks. And um, she was going to write the lyrics and sing it, but she ended up finding that the task was too overwhelming. So she gave the song back to Prince. Oh, wow. I did not know that. that. No. I did not know that. No. So then I will be. Really, she is responsible for Prince's career. 
Sure. So I think so. Yeah. It was for Leanna Leanna Rhymes. <laughs> Mom, it's Stevie Nicks is the Stevie one Nicks. that Okay, yeah, Stevie yeah. Nicks I is she's Mac. the one that yeah, yeah, I know. Okay. I know. Yeah. I know who Stevie Nicks okay, is. Okay, well, you said her name was Leah Rhymes. So. Well, I know, yeah. but I, I was, I don't, I guess I didn't hear Stevie Nicks at first. And then when you said Purple Rain, I just was thinking Blue. Prince, but I wasn't paying attention. I'm sorry. Well, Prince is very well known for the movie Purple Rain and I know. the song Purple Rain. Yes. Right, right. Uh, I thought that was interesting. I didn't know if you guys have ever heard that before. Had she, um, had she recorded that song, his career could have went completely different. Completely different. Right, right. Because well, really, he, he ended up using, he, well, he ended up writing Purple Rain because right. he just wrote the, the instrumental tracks. So, you know, it's just like the, the music, it would have been not the lyrics and stuff. Song. It would have been a completely different song. Completely and, different song and I'm sure right. he still would have been writing songs for other people, but probably his right. person. Right. Yeah, and then, yeah, because he wrote Purple Rain specifically for the movie, right? Am I right on that? Yes. I'm pretty sure yes. he did, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so he used and the tracks that he was wrote. Really a, wasn't really about him, but it was kind of like about Yeah. Him. And then he wrote Nothing Compares to You for Sinead O'Connor. Mm -hmm. I did know I that. I know that yes. one, yeah. yeah. He wrote a lot of songs for a lot of people. Right. Which is, all, it's kind of good songs. Right. But I also think, too, that there's a lot of songs that are super famous that are written by other singers. Like Megan Trainer has wrote a lot of songs that people don't realize that right. she actually wrote mm -hmm. for right. other people. And I think, um, what was her first? All About the Bass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was originally supposed to be for, like, Beyonce or something, and Beyonce's like, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't remember who it's for. Right. Whoever she wanted for turned it down, and they just said, yeah. well, you record it yourself. I yeah. just, she yeah. just said something. She she has a podcast, or she was on a podcast. Um, she has a podcast with her brother. Yeah, yeah, but I think she was on somebody else's podcast for this, but she said that they, like, she didn't even send out the demo. Like, the, the, like, the recording company just found her demo of All About That Bass and asked mm -hmm. her to come in and record it. So wow. she didn't even like okay. send that out. Like they just found it and was like, "Oh, this oh, is a nice song. Okay. Like we'll just yeah. record this." Yeah, that's yeah, kind of cool. I remember, I remember when she first came about. Nashville had found her, and she was. They were going to bring her there so she could write songs. Mm -hmm. And they came across that song, and I think they wanted somebody else to record it, like you said, and then they wouldn't. So she just said, "They just said, well, you record it. You record yeah. it.'" Right, yeah, probably. Bit. But she, um, but that was the thing is that she said she like like the music video and that song like are very much out of her genre and her character, and she said she mm -hmm. was like very uncomfortable, like not uncomfortable like bad, but like like her wearing a dress in the music video and doing like right. dancing in the music right. video. She's like, I I don't do that kind of thing. Right, right. Hmm. One of these days, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna get that video of her playing that ukulele. <laughs> yeah. It's just and like play it on this show. Yeah. And right so next to and ask who's the real Megan and who's the real cast. Mm -hmm. Well, Megan is a real person, so uh, anyways. Well so um, is Cassie. Did you know did you know I also think it's kind of unique or kind of weird? Um her birthday is December twenty second, nineteen ninety three. Oh, really? I, you know, yeah. I did. 
I never I put that together. That, that is I didn't know that because isn't that kind of how I came across it and I thought, oh my gosh, she was born on Jesse's birthday. In, well, yeah, in my, my birthday, birthday. But years yeah, Cassie's year. So Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Did we talk about Cassie when we were talking about um Double Double games. Games. Yes. Yeah, okay. That she is definitely yours, that's for sure. Yeah, I agree. Okay. All right, any um, more facts, Jess? Um, I just had one. There was a just was one today. One. Well, that one, one last one. That one, that one took quite a while, so yeah, we, we like it. was a good one. I know, but the yeah. the, rest of, the other one that I was going to use, I guess I can use it, is just um, there's a there is an actual tr thing called the white coat syndrome that I think most people have heard about. Matt suffers from from it very badly. <laughs> Um, but it's basically your blood pressure rises when you go into a medical facility. Oh. And um, so, yeah. It's I just, was thinking it, it's like people who think they know like medical facts, like, or like they self-diagnose. No. <laughs> no, no, it's just when somebody goes like Matt, when he goes to the doctors, it's like he gets anxious about it. Mm -hmm. He knows, you know, like that, you know, what's and so it just, he gets anxious and his blood pressure goes up. And so when they take his blood pressure, it will typically be higher than what it is because he's anxious about right. it. So it's because you're in that clinical environment. So mm -hmm. huh. there's that. I didn't read it word for word for what it was on there, but uh, that's something that I tease mad about all the time because <laughs> that happens to him. Okay. Awesome. awesome. And, and I'm sure you guys know that Bruce Springsteen wrote Because of the Night. Patty Smith. No, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. He wrote, he wrote for Patty Smith. No, he wrote it for himself, and he didn't really write all the words. He, it was kind of half. It was like because the night was in there, and um, the part where it's, um, in the middle of the night the telephone rings, you know, mm -hmm. was in there. And she didn't really like the song at all because it really isn't her kind of thing. But when she heard that telephone, waiting for the telephone to ring, because at the time. She had been sitting around all day waiting for her boyfriend to call. So uh, it just struck, struck when she did it. So she finished the song. And so really, Bruce Springsteen. Oh, huh. that's pretty interesting. I thought you guys would have known that one for sure. Nope. No. <laughs> and you've never told me that one neither. Well, I just figured. All the times that we've went and seen Patty Smith. Because they talk about it all the time. Bruce Springsteen. Whenever they're interviewing her, him, they always say, oh, you know, you want a song called Because Tonight? And then whenever they're interviewing her, they always bring it up. She also wrote, People Have the Power. Okay. I know you guys are fascinated with that fact. <laughs> wow. It's made every time we have a bad president, the song comes back. Right now, um, Johnny Depp and that whole gang of people are staying. They're all singing that song. People have the power. Okay. Okay. You got to tell us a strange fact about a song that we're really interested in. Well, uh, I feel like this happens a lot when we start talking about songs to begin before I get to my section. Um, that like it's always like nice and like mm, interesting, huh? And then I, my song is like very dark and bad, like <laughs> really bad. Um, but so this is this week's song, Dad. I think you'll know it. 
not see the song song live yes <laughs> yeah we were there so this is like this is one of my most surprising concerts mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. ever i mean it was such an awesome awesome concert really and i good. really didn't even go there to see them no yeah i i don't i don't think i knew who they were before we went to the concert obviously i think i was pretty young at the time but they they put on a really good show and they like they were very very impressive i liked them a lot it must have been the one in lansing yes yeah so this yeah. is my this is stone, stone temple pilots aren't you so glad that you got to see him before he died i am he died to a drug overdose i'm mm -hmm. sure not long after that oh uh, i think it was a couple of years after that but yeah, yeah, I know. That's not long in my world. <laughs> so this is Sex Type like 20 Thing. Years <laughs> so this is their song, Sex Type Thing. And a lot of people think it's just kind of a song about talking about sex and, you know, like, I know you want it, something like that. But this song is actually about um, Scott Whalen's uh, girlfriend who was raped. Um, this song is it's it has lyrics um, such as you shouldn't have worn that dress. Uh, I am a man, a man, I'll give you what something you won't forget. Um, and then there's another one that That's an awful song. Yeah, it's it's not like once you like kind of really listen to the lyrics, it's very much about uh basically victim blaming and uh basically taking something that doesn't belong to them. Um Oh, the, the lyrics, I'm sorry. The, uh, it is, gosh, no, I lost it again. Um, but basically along the lines of, um, I know that you want what's on my mind. Uh, I know that it eats you up inside. I know that you like what's on my mind. Um, so it's very much a one-sided interaction. Um, and Scott Wieland says that the song is not really about sex at all it's about control violence and the abuse of power that comes with um well, sex uh, another song you ruined for me sorry <laughs> that's you know and for I, another, i'm sure i'm, I'm just sure that they can rule anybody and i'm sure the song is really about not it's an anti it's a, no it's not promoting it's, it at all it is it is supposed to yeah. point out it is supposed to point out how gross yeah. that kind of action is um he, mm -hmm. he himself right. says this is a very much anti-rape statement um that this is right. not what sex should be about it should not be about the, the control and the power over women mm -hmm. oh so this is not yeah this is not a you know for it, it is very much to point out the fact that this is how some men think and this is how you know, interactions it's can go. I mean, it's condemning. The, yes, it's condemning yeah, the like, actions and the like voice. Of, yeah, right, people always, that's better. Always want to look at um, All in the Family, a sitcom show that was back on mm -hmm. probably early seventies, and it was all about Archie, who was a bigot and stuff, and mm -hmm. they made fun of it. But it was really trying to show you a lesson, not right, right. It wasn't right. to make fun of black people. It was to show how you know dumb it is to his statements were so. yeah yes yeah. yeah this is definitely but, um, that it's not it's not uh for rape it is basically pointing out this is what this is how you think and this is disgusting kind of thing so right. it's creepy yeah. in the fact that if you really listen to the lyrics it's gross but it is very much an empowerment of song of this is um, wrong they're one of those groups when i hear them 
I just like can't wait to get back to my computer or something and, and listen to a bit more of them. You know? Yeah, listen to the whole yeah. album. Yeah, it's like Nirvana. If you hear a Nirvana song, it's like I gotta get home. I gotta start looking at. More, know. more, more, more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was a. They were just a phenomenal group. Mm-hmm. I agree. People that were playing with them, it was pretty loud. So I don't. You were at a concert. What did you yeah. expect? Was that the same concert we've seen the remote? Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah. it was such hard rock. I mean, and you know me, I don't. The remotes, like actually, they all of a sudden have a female lead singer. because They did then, too. No, I'm saying then. They showed up at that concert with them. Yeah, with a female. When they were having that concert, I'm like, wait a minute. How are they going to pull this off? <laughs> no, but... um. Ashley was very good. Yeah. They did a really good job. She yeah. was really good. Yeah. That whole concert, like, yeah, it was, it's like something Lansing puts on every summer. And it was just like it's the like one year Lansing we went. It's version of Woodstock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. They're supposed to be putting on another one that's supposed to be really good this year. They had a bunch of good singers or They do it every year. Yeah. Well, yeah. I know. I think they stopped. I don't stopped think they've done it the last year. They didn't. Yeah, I think they stopped for the last year. This is going to be the first year that they're back after COVID. Okay. okay. And then, and I I thought I'd seen on um, one of the radio stations um, a record that they were supposed to have some good people on it. I'm thinking, oh, wow, that's going to be a good group. So. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, Cass, we cut you off. So any more about that? No, that's pretty, pretty much it. You know, kind of, it's one of the, another one of those ones where Everyone kind of sings it, goes along with it, and then you like look up the lyrics and you're like, Ooh. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. I've been song a million times, but I never really put all the words together. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, you're just going with the beat. Right. 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 Well, awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I like it. And um, I'll guarantee when we get off tonight, I'm going to be listening to some. As soon as I saw them, as soon as I saw the Stone I was like, well, that's the song I got to do. Well, good job. Yeah. Okay, I think Cassie's up. Am I right? It is. Yep, it's me this All week. right. What do you got for us this week? All right. So this... Just so folks know, just before, I, I didn't mean to interrupt again, but just so folks know that we are, our, our whole purpose here is to talk about murder, unsolved mur- mysteries, murders, and things like that. So we're not, that's why we're always talking about these topics. That's our whole thing. That makes sense. Yeah, was somebody questioning that? <laughs> well, well I, just, that that, I know our it's the family school of thought, but if somebody was really following us, they'd be, and maybe they missed the first show when we explained it, and they're like, "God, these people are downers." You know, they're always <laughs> murders well, and I Put in our intro that it is a true crime yeah, podcast. I, so there you go. There you go. I'm I sorry. do if have to make before it we far. get started. You guys, have you guys been hearing in the news the updates about the Jamine Ramsey? No, no, really. Can I not tell you? Okay. <laughs> but there's, there's not, there's not like huge updates. But the, the, um, I think it's the FBI. No, I can't remember off the top of my head. But they're, they're saying that there is like thousands of evidence pieces that have DNA on them that have never been tested. That, um. If they just test them, they they're most likely to be able to find out who the murderer is. Well, then why aren't they doing it yet? That's what her dad is questioning. But you got to think too. John Benet Ramsey's mom passed away 
from cancer, right, a while mm-hmm. ago. And, you know, but, like, her dad is saying, you know, like, he has, I saw him in a news thing saying, um, you know, like, I've been saying from day one that the cops didn't do their job right. They've screwed this up. So it kind of makes you wonder, you know, a lot of it, too, is the cops were constantly pinning it on the parents or on the brother and it makes you wonder was it a cop that actually right well that's like, what i'm saying they were, that was at you know like because they were ha- they were well known it's a small community was yeah. it a cop that did it and they were maybe they other the their co-workers were covering up or they knew what to do because they knew where all the evidence was and when know, when i did that up. story i was listening to all kinds of stuff on the internet and there was a psychic that said, and it was current, like it was, mm-hmm. when I was watching it, it had been like not even a couple of weeks old. She said, something's about to come with that story. Yeah. And they will find out who it is. And it'll be somebody they know. Yeah. You know, not like someone, somebody that's yeah. dumb. And yeah. it, she didn't think, I, I want to say it wasn't a family member. And that's what a lot of people were saying. Oh, we always thought it was the brother, and then it's right. you know like right. kind of coming forward that maybe it's not. But I want to say her like her dad was older when she was born, right? So right. like right. I want to say he's, he's like in his eighties now, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He was he older did. at the time. Yeah. Like in so, his fifties or something. Yeah. So I mean, there's some news, but not really a ton of news on that one. So. Um. There's a it's positive, like that, right? It's just like the nun one, you know. Yeah. You know who did it, or you kind well, of. They, this so psychic at the time, I didn't really say it because, you know, it was a psychic saying it, but she was saying that it was a guy that was known in their house. Like mm-hmm. I said, like a construction a janitor. Yeah. Somebody yeah. that was working or, in their house and had access. Well, not a janitor, but yeah. I mean, somebody that did landscaping. Yeah, landscaping. Anyways, you know, yeah. that was just a psychic saying that too. It's but, sad. Yeah. sad okay. Yeah. Let's get on. Cass, we're not going to give you any time. I know. I'm just going <laughs> to stay here. It's fine. You can do your thing. Okay. All and right. then you'll Don't make it depressing. Give me something good. That one is 17. Yes. I mean, it's it's not super depressing. I always want to cry after we get done. This it's is- not super depressing. I've been doing really sad ones, but this one's it's it's not sad. I don't know. Um this is the mer- this this mysterious murder of a man in room 1046. So, we'll begin on January 2nd, 1935. A young man dressed in a suit and a dark overcoat checked into the hotel president in Kansas City, Missouri, under the name of Ronald T. Owens. He requested that he be given an interior room, uh, and that is above ground floor. So he doesn't, he basically doesn't want to be anywhere where he can get, somebody can get to him off the streets, basically, or... He doesn't want people to see into his room, maybe. Who knows? He just doesn't want an a outside room facing, you know, the streets. I never street knew level. that there was a hotel that had an inside room that well, you could Well, so maybe, like, maybe, like, I mean, this is 1935, and it's, like, basically, like, some of them had, like, courtyards. So you could, you could mm-hmm. have, like, uh, uh, like, kind of, not, like, but, like, basically, like, inside, like, I don't know how to explain it well, but... I don't know. It just says inside. It just says yeah. an interior okay. room. Interior room. Um, hmm. He gave the hotel an, 
a Los Angeles address. So basically he said, I'm Roland T. Owens. I'm from blah, 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 Los Angeles. Um, he had no luggage with him or other clothes other than what he was wearing. Um, and the staff noted that he had a very visible scar near his temple and a cauliflower ear, which um, led them to believe oh, that for he, boxers. he was a boxer. They thought he may have been a boxer or a professional fighter. Um, and Owens paid to stay one night and he basically paid per night. Um, he was given room for uh, 1046, um, which was located on the 10th floor. And basically it looks over the interior courtyard. Um, and he was taken up to the room by the a bellhop that was working that night. Um, the bellhop stated that Owens, while riding up the elevator, was basically complaining to him about the price of a hotel he had stayed at the night prior. Um, he said it was too expensive. Um, and that's why he was staying there instead. Um, and the bellhop let him into the room. Um, and he said that Owens emptied his pockets and all that was in there was basically a hairbrush, um, a fine tooth comb, a toothpick, or I'm sorry, a toothbrush, and that was about it. That was the extent of his pa unpacking. Um, the bellhop gave him the room key and returned back to the lobby without, you know, any instance. Um, he said shortly after he saw Owens come down and leave the hotel. Um, but not long after, a maid was sent up to his room, uh, and she explained that, um, she got up to the room, thought nobody was in there, it was, um, I think she says it was locked, which I guess at the time, I don't really know how hotels worked back then, but she's, it's basically a key, like, it's not like a key card, it was like a, like, turn key, um, and it could uh, like a skeleton key, but it could only be locked from outside. So you can't lock it while you are inside. Someone has to lock it from the outside. Um, <laughs> and so she thought nobody was in there. She opened the door and Owens was inside just laying on the bed. Um, he, she was surprised to see him, but he basically told her, uh, don't mind me, just clean you keep cleaning um she noticed that he had all the curtains pulled closed and she could basically only see from a very dim light that was lit inside the room um he while she was working basically got up again combed his hair and left um and told her um or asked her if she could leave the room unlocked because he had a friend coming by and he didn't want his friend to wait outside or be locked outside while he wasn't there. Um, so she did, went on with her day, um, and it says later around 4 p.m., the same maid went up to room 1046 to deliver fresh towels, and she found Owens again alone in the dark room, laying on a bed, his bed fully clothed, um, and she said she could barely read it, but there was a little note on the side bedside table that read Don I will be back in 15 minutes wait so that was January 2nd um kind of weird but not out of the ordinary kind of just a random dude um the next day on January 3rd 
the same maid was working that floor again and she said she got up to room 1046 at about 10:30 a.m and the door was locked again this is a door that cannot be locked unless you're outside you can't be like you can't turn a lock inside and lock the door while you're in there so assuming this meant that owens was not in the room she let herself in uh, without knocking and again to her surprise owen was again inside the room um but he was sitting on the bed in a like completely dark room again this is 10 30 a.m so he has all the curtains pulled no lights on and he is just sitting in this room um she thinks it's weird but she's got a job to do well, do you think that he called down to the bellhop and told him to come and lock it so that he was locked in you don't know yeah. i have a very strange thing to tell you when you get going with the story <laughs> okay um so again she cleans the, she begins cleaning the room he seems odd but she's got a job to do um, but while she's in there cleaning, uh, Owen's room gets a phone call, uh, and when Owen's answers, um, he begins talking to somebody on the other end, and the maid says it sounds like he calls him Don, and he says, no, Don, I don't want to eat, I'm not hungry, I just had breakfast, no, I'm not hungry. Uh, hangs up the phone, and then he begins talking to her, he keeps asking her about her job at the hotel, he again complains about the high prices of the hotel he stayed out prior to the hotel president. Um, the maid answers all his questions, finishes up her job, and moves on to the next couple rooms. Again, at 4 p.m., she brings fresh towels to the room, um, but she says as soon as she gets up to the door, she can hear two voices inside the room talking. Um, so she knocks on the door and says she's here to bring towels. Um, and she hears a, a deep voice that was not what she remembered Owen sounding like answering her and telling her that they do not need towels. She said this was weird because she knows she took the towels out of that room so that they would have needed towels if they were going to shower again that night. But she moves on to the next room. They said they don't need towels so she keeps going. 6 p.m. that day, another guest checks in. This one is named Gene Owen, apparently no relation to Ronald T. Owens. Um, but she is checking in for the night because she was not feeling well, um, and she had spent all day in Kansas City and didn't want to drive home. She is given room 1048. Um, while she was there, Owen... Um, Owen was visited by her boyfriend um, at around 9.30 p.m. Um, he left about two hours later, um, and Jean said she was just basically was trying to get some rest when she heard very loud people in the hallway. Um, it sounded like a man and a woman outside talking, um, using a lot of profanity, um, and pretty much really late into the night. Um, she apparently was not the only one on, uh, the only guest on the 10th floor to report hearing loud talking, um, boisterous people. Um, a lot of reports said that they, it sounded like a bunch of drunk people in the hallways that night. Um, the, the hotel elevator who was working that night said that it was actually a fairly busy night for the hotel. 
um, he came, he, um, clocked in at about midnight, so basically January 3rd to January 4th, he was working, um, he was taking guests up all, like, all up and down from 1.30 in the morning till, I think, 4, he said, um, and he even said that there seemed to be a very loud party happening in room 1055. Um, he recalls a woman who is known to the hotel president's staff as someone who frequents the hotel with different male guests. Um, so put two and two together there. Um, he took her up to the 10th floor where she claimed to be meeting a friend. Um, she was only up there for a couple minutes before she called the elevator again. Um, when he got up there, she explained that her friend who in had invited her up to the 10th floor, it doesn't say which room, wasn't answering his door, which was very odd. Um, she said he always answered the door whenever he invited her there. Um, and she said she may have gotten the room incorrect. She stayed up on the uh, 10th floor and about 3 a.m. Um, she called to the elevator again. Um, she rode down to the lobby, left the hotel, returned at 4.15 um, and was taken up to the 9th floor with a different man. She went somewhere else, basically. Um, she came back down, left, and then the second man she went to go see that night left about 15 minutes after her um, and basically claimed that he couldn't sleep and was just going to take a walk around the hotel, but it's never said if he comes back to the hotel or not. Uh, so now, again, this is the same night, basically uh, January 3rd, um, outside of the hotel, um, Robert Lane, who was a city worker, was driving home at about 11 p.m., and he says a man who was basically only in an undershirt and underpants uh, ran out into the middle of the road, flagged him down. And when he stopped for the man, um, he, the man asked Lane, like, are you a taxi? He said no. Um, he apologized um, and basically said, do you need me to take you somewhere? Like, I can give you a ride somewhere. Um, and agreed to help the man and drive him to... A, an area where he knew a lot of taxis were active. Um, once the man got into uh, Robert Lane's car, um, Lane noticed that he had a long scratch on his arm. Um, he was bleeding, uh, and it looked like he had been in a fight. Um, he, Lane asked the man about what happened, and all the man seemed to say was an offhand comment about retribution and revenge. Um, Lane thought it was weird, dropped the man off, and uh, basically took off, went home. Um, when he's later asked about it, Robert Lane uh, identifies the man who was in his car as Robert T. Owens. So... Hmm. Robert T. Owens was, at one point, outside of the hotel that night. In his underpants and a t-shirt. And looking like he had been in a fight. Um, so now we're into January 4th, the morning of January 4th, 7 a.m. A switchboard operator clocks in uh, and begins making requests for wake-up calls. Um, 
And she gets to 1046, room 1046, and she sees that there's a request to wake, uh, get a wake-up call. But she notices that the light for the room on the phone is on, which means that the phone is off the hook. But she can't hear anybody online, so she thinks that it's basically just accidentally left off the hook. Um, so she tells a bellhop to go up to the room and ask them to put the phone on the hook. So this is actually the bellboy who first took Owens up to his room. Um, so he goes up to the room uh, and knocks on the door. Uh, again, it is locked, but with a do not disturb sign on the door. Um, so the, but he, bellboy seems to knock anyway. He says he knocks several times very loudly, but gets no answer from inside. Um, he doesn't have a key to get in the room, so he basically knocks a couple more times. Um, and he says he hears a voice inside the room answer him and tell him to just come in. And he's, the bellboy says, I can't get in, the door's locked. Um... So he just kind of keeps knocking and he's not really getting too much of a response again. Um, and so he just basically tells uh, the guest, Owens, he yells to the door, put your phone on the hook. Just put your phone on the hook. Um, he goes back downstairs. So there's not really much he can do. He told the switchboard operator that the guest was probably just really drunk or hungover. Um, and they kind of let it go up until 8.30 a.m., about an hour and a half later, when the phone is still off the hook. So another bellboy is sent up. Uh, again, he says the door's locked. There's a do not disturb sign. He knocks on the door. Um, or he knocks on the door. No, again, nobody answers. But this time he has brought a key. This is a different bellboy, so he brought a key and decides to enter the room. When he enters the room, it's completely dark, and Owens is lying on the bed, naked, and there seems to be some kind of dark smudge on the bed sheets around him. Mm. But, they again, they it's dark, they can't see very well. They think he just is drunk, maybe he threw up in the bed, who knows. So, he the bellboy just goes over to the bedside table and replaces the phone back on the receiver leaves says have a good day see you sir um two hours later at around 10 30 a.m the phone is again off the hook but no one seems to be talking on the line so again the bellboy is sent back up this is the sec the the second bellboy who entered the room he is sent back up um again the door is shut he knocks on the door but gets no answer so he unlocks the door again and immediately he is greeted with the sight of bloody a uh, bloody Owens, who is on his hands and knees, basically crawling towards the door. Um, he the bellboy turns on the lights in the room, and immediately he notices that there's not only blood on Owens, there's blood on the walls, the floors, and on the bed. So the bellboy, freaking out, runs downstairs to get help from his assistant manager. Um, and they both run back up to the room, but by the time they get up to the room, Owens has basically moved in front of the door, so he is blocking the entrance. Um, they keep asking him to move, but they're not really getting much of a response from him, and so they kind of have to 
kind of scoot him in and they enter the room and as soon as they enter the room owens gets up and moves into the bathroom and sits on the edge of the bathtub um he is his hands and legs are bound with a cord um as well as there's a cord around his neck um a doctor arrives shortly after and notices that there is extensive bruising around his neck which is suggesting that somebody tried to strangle him there's multiple stab wounds into owen's chest around his heart one of the blows even punctured a lung um there's an extreme blow to the side of his head which caused his skull to fracture um and when they ask owens what happened uh who did this to you he replies nobody um so the doctor then says, well, did you try to kill yourself? And Owens answers, no. Um, he says he simply fell and hit his head on the bathtub. Um, shortly after giving this answer, he loses consciousness um, and they take him to the hospital. Um, but unfortunately, he is pronounced dead shortly after 12 in the morning on January 5th. So... This, unfortunately, strange. is strange, but not where the story stops, because now it is about finding out who is Ronald T. Owens. Um, the police find evidence and all this stuff in his room, um, and they need to identify him. Um, so they call the Los Angeles Police Department, because that is where he says he's from. Um, they try to relay the news of his death to next of kin but they are told that no one under the name of ronald t owens is registered as a citizen of la so uh they take his fingerprints uh, to the bureau of investigation in hopes that a match will come back um they also run an ad in the local newspaper in hopes that somebody will recognize him this is when Robert Lane, who drew, who met the man in the streets, comes forward and identifies him as someone who was clearly in a fight that night, was talking about getting revenge, and was obviously discombobulated. Um, so now they have sightings of him. Somebody else says that they saw him um, at a liquor store with two women blocks away from the hotel. Um, and then they check. So because the maid and the busboys say that Owens talked about another hotel, they go to the other hotel and ask if Robert, a uh, Roland T. Owens stayed there. And they said, no, nobody under the name of Roland T. Owens stayed at the hotel, but a man under the same description did check in but he said his name was Eugene K. Scott um, and that he also lived in L.A. So now they have another alias. The, the Kansas City Police Department um, tries again to uh, uh, basically call the Los Angeles Police Department and say, Did, do you have a resident under the name of Eugene K. Scott? But again, they get no leads or possible identities of this man. So, it's basically, the, the 
the case kind of goes dead for a while because there's nothing that they can really do. They keep um, Owens's body in the funeral parlor for a while in hopes that they'll identify him, but they're like they get nothing up until March third, um, two months after his death. Um, the funeral home that he had been he his body had been staying um, received a call from an unknown caller asking them to postpone the funeral so that they could send the funeral home money for the expenses. Um, when they, when the funeral home asked the relation to the man, the caller simply state, stated that um, he knew him because the man, Ronald T. Owens, uh, had been caught cheating, and cheaters usually get what's coming to them. Um, and that's all that he will say about how he knows Ronald T. Owens. Um, the funeral home did receive an envelope that contained money for the funeral expenses, um, but it has no return address um, or identity for the man. Um, and I think it, they said it was like $500, which back in 1935 would have been a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and they received two more cards addressed to the addressed to basically, I think it says like man in the man in the funeral home or something like that it doesn't give a name but it just they knew it was for him both money both cards have money in them and one has a note saying love forever louise um the man's funeral is held on march 23rd um and no one other than the kansas city police department attend the funeral um they even said that they stalked out the grave for a few nights in hopes that somebody might come by and sit at the grave or come see him, but nobody ever visits. Nobody ever goes to the grave. And then, so they keep running, basically they keep running this ad, running this story about this unidentified man. Um, they give it to other departments to run in different states. And in November of that year, a friend of a Ruby Ogletree in Birmingham, Alabama, shows her an article of someone that she says bore a great resemblance to one of her three sons. And Ruby agrees. Uh, Ruby gets a hold of the Kansas City Police Department and is able to positively identify the man's descriptions um, she even identifies the scar that the staff saw near his temple and gives an explanation of an accident when he was a child and hot grease dripped down onto his face. So, now the man has been positively identified as Artemis Ogletree, who left home the year prior and he was hitchhiking from Alabama to California. When Ruby explains to the police that uh, this is her son, she says, but I didn't believe it at first because somebody has been corresponding to me claiming to be my son since he died. So she didn't even know he was dead because somebody had been writing letters to her saying that it was her son. She received multiple letters um, one in early 1935, claiming that he was in Chicago. Two came from New York. 
Um, one even claimed that he was leaving for Europe, um, and it gave information of what ship he was going to leave on. And then in August, uh, somebody claiming to have known Artemis and that was saying Artemis saved his life um, called her and said that your son can no longer contact you because he is going to be moving and living in Cairo, Egypt. Um, and she, the, the person on the phone explained to her that her son Artemis was getting married to a wealthy woman in Cairo and he was going to live there. Um, and he said that Artemis could no longer contact her because he had lost a finger in the fight that apparently he saved the caller's life on. Um, Ruby said she talked to the man for about a half hour and he seemed very irrational, very wild. Um, and that's basically the last time she heard of her son being alive. But again, he's died this is august he died in january so she has no idea who this man is he says he's calling from memphis tennessee um and when the police check to see if there's any records of an artemis getting on a boat to go to cairo egypt nobody under the name of artemis ogletree seems to have left the country seems to have gotten on any of the ships even the ship that the letter claimed he was on and so nobody really knows to this day what happened to Artemis Ogletree, why he was living under the name, like an alias, why he was moving around, who was the Don he was talking to and had in his room, um, and who was contacting his mother after his death. So that is the mysterious death of Artemis Ogletree in room 1045, or 1046, I'm sorry. Wow. Yeah, that's super weird. That's strange. Yeah. So, some theories, though. Um, obviously, one that is very common is that Artemis got involved in the mob. A common term for a mob boss is Don. Mm-hmm. Um, it would explain why he was using aliases, um, and why he was moving from hotel to hotel. Another theory is that a man in 1937, so about two years later, was arrested in New York for killing a man he was sharing a hotel room with. Um, this man also had multiple aliases, one of them being Donald Kelso. Um, the Kansas City Police Department said that the man was writing um, samples. Uh, the, he said the man's writing samples matched those of the letters written to Ruby after Artemis's death. Um, and he put on the body, he put the body of the man he killed in the trunk of his car and tried to drive to Memphis. So again, this connects to Memphis, Tennessee, which is where the caller was said he was calling from. Um, no formal charges, though, were brought against the man for Artemis's death because they couldn't really find any concrete uh, evidence that he knew Artemis. Um, then the last theory is basically the man named Don, uh, who killed Artemis, was involved with Artemis's supposed fiance and that Don killed Artemis 
um, to basically, because he wronged the fiancé, um, and the fiancé hired him to make a hit on her cheating fiancé. And that the female prostitute who was at the hotel that night basically was there to set up and catch Artemis in the act of cheating. Ooh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, my God. I do find it mysterious that mom and dad just switched cameras, though. I know. I know. I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. I don't know if that was on purpose or... Yeah. Um, my thing, listening to you... Like, here, like, the staff members were hearing different voices, but, like, the door was locked. Did he have a split personality, and he actually murdered himself trying to murder one of his personalities? It's well, that's what I was possible, but, again, the, the biggest clue that it was somebody else was that the door yeah. was locked, because he couldn't have locked himself into the room. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. So somebody else had to have locked him in the room. That's what I find suspicious is that. Yeah. Like, so was it somebody in the hotel staff that was who you you would think that the hotel staff has to lock you into your room that somebody would know. Yeah. Oh, I locked the door at this time of night or whatever. Yeah. No, it seems to be. The kind of consensus is that whoever this Don is that he was talking to was keeping him in the room and that he was basically going along with it, but he didn't have a choice whether or not he was in the room. Mm. So he's being... I also find it kind of weird that, like, it was dark in the room the whole time. Like, why wouldn't the staff turn on the light? Um, well, I can kind of see that. Like, even now when you go to a hotel and you're in the room, like... If you have the lights off, I don't think they turn the lights on. When they're cleaning the room or something? I don't know. I guess I'm not usually there when they clean the room, so I don't know. Yeah. That's a, you know, like, I can see where, like, oh, hey, I want the, the lights off or whatever. Like, it, but at that point, wouldn't the staff be like, okay, I'll, I'll come yeah, back later? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> But the mother did identify him. Yes. So the the man known as Roland T. Owens was positively identified as Artemis Ogletree. Um, She even had pictures of him to show, and it was the same man. So his alias um, of Ronald T. Owens uh, was not real. And they've never figured out who was writing to his mom. No. So that's another thing is they never found out. Or why. Nope. Why? Well, they think it was whoever it was was the person who murdered uh, Artemis. Yeah. Um, and either they had a guilty conscience or they just didn't want people to know that Artemis was dead because I'm sure that they, they thought his mom would be looking for him if the second she knew he was missing or he wasn't writing back to her. Um, and so they wanted to give themselves time. And even telling her that he is going to Cairo, Egypt, is basically giving an excuse of why he's not writing back to her. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And what, I don't get all the alienist, alias names. I mean, why was everybody using a, why was he using a alias name? They don't know. They they don't know why he was using different aliases at different hotels, why he seemed to be what jumping from hotel was... to hotel. It seems he... like he was 
to I think to the staff and maybe even to the cops, it seemed like he was hiding from somebody. Or he probably he was wanna... a um, a person that went from town to town conning everybody. That right. Could know, be a and then yeah. And then, and then, then he got somebody caught. Somebody up with him. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or he he conned the wrong person. And maybe that's with the mafia too. Right. Or he conned the mafia not knowing who he was conning and yeah. they weren't too happy about it. That's true. Right. Yeah. That's something. And it seems odd that he wouldn't. I, the, the thing is, is that he doesn't say who killed him. He doesn't, even when they ask him, like, right. who did this to you? Like, you clearly been attacked he says nobody so he is trying to hide whoever attacked him he's right. trying he's to protect whoever it is yeah okay go back start of the story there's with... no real girlfriend so there's no there's no hard facts other than this idea that he was called a cheater nobody knows who the fiance is even the letter from louise nobody can figure out who louise is so well, you, even the fiance is not really a thing. You do think that maybe he was gay and he was just That's what I was thinking too, and it was a Louis, not a Louise. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Or a Louis. You know, you know no, it is spelled it's spelled with an E at the end, so it is Louise. Um I know what Yeah, but if, back in nineteen thirty five it's not acceptable, so they're like, Oh, we'll just call you Louis. Yeah. Louise, but, I mean. Right, so that I'm saying, you know, in 1935 to be gay. It, it could be, know. but then who's attacking? And then him? the guy, the guy, you know, he said he was going to come forward, or found out that he was cheating with another guy, or you know. Could be. It could be. Oh, that's that's. How about you started out the story and you said something said wait. Uh, he he had a letter that said Don. Um, I'm going to be gone for 15 minutes. Wait. So wait for me to come back. Okay. Last night I had a dream (laughs) where somebody was holding up a sign that said, wait. And my dream was like, wait for what? What does that mean? Like, what are you trying to say? And it was like, that's all it said was wait. There was no explanation of it. Mm-hmm. So when you started the story, I'm like, oh, well, this is what it's going to be about. Yeah, Oops. that's it. That is what it's going to be. My answer, but it, it doesn't feel like it's solved. If you an answer, <laughs> no. Don't wait for somebody named Don. Is what your dream is telling you. <laughs> right. If you know somebody named Don, don't wait for them. I know the guy named Don. I'll go in tomorrow and say, just so you know, I'm not waiting. <laughs> That's ah. Well, that's interesting. That is a really interesting story. Now, where'd you come about this story? I've heard it a couple times um, through you know, true crime podcasts, mystery podcasts. Um, and I can't remember why. Uh, I was looking for something to do this week. And I think it popped up or something. I can't even remember. And I was like, oh, yeah, I really like this story. Um, I'm just gonna do this one. So that's I. There wasn't really like a big reason of why I did this one at this time. I just found it. It definitely is one. interesting. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think this guy was haunted? Do you think that was something mm. too, where he was possessed 
or you know something along those lines where i do really like the theory of multiple personalities but yeah it doesn't explain the door like the door is the, yeah the door i think the locked. door is the biggest key of the story is who is locking but him inside the if room he's most people that well, i don't know i don't really have anybody any experience with multiple personalities and stuff but I don't think that they know when, like, a personality takes over, the other personalities are not present, so they don't, they're not conscious. So what if a personality took over and called down to the front desk and said, hey, come up and lock my door, it's unlocked. And then he comes back, and maybe this, like, uh, what would Ronald T. Owen is one of his personalities, because usually people with multiple personalities have different names for each person. For each personality. That could have That's my theory, and I'm going to stick uh, to it. But he wouldn't have called the front desk and said, come yeah. up and lock the door. They would have figured that out. Yeah, they, they would have noticed. Like, you know, oh, yeah, told me to come here. Right. Right, and then his mother would have said he had yeah, psychological well. problems. Or well, maybe she didn't realize it. Well, it's possible I, she didn't realize it, but it sounded like I'm he had just... I'm sticking to it. <laughs> it sounded like he had he had only left home a year prior. It wasn't like he had been gone for a long time. Right. I bet you he was able to lock the door from the inside. Like, maybe he wasn't made to do it that way, but he figured out a way maybe. to lock it. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I found it weird. Like, that's the weirdest part of the story is, that's like, it. what, how, like, how, like, what hotel? Did, well, what doors, like, didn't lock from the inside? Like, what was the point of well, that? Well, that's what I was thinking, too. That's a weird thing. Like, to me, what if the hotel catches on fire? You can't unlock your door to get, like, you're stuck in your but room. But also, like, when I'm asleep at a hotel, my door better be locking. I don't want anybody yeah. to come in while I'm in the room. Well, yeah, but you're you're locking it from the inside. From the inside. That's the thing. Yeah. Right. It's and weird that you have the staff. It's a yeah. lot of trust you have to put in other people. And I don't trust Especially an inside room with no windows. Mm-hmm. Well, right. it has windows, but it only faces the courtyard. The court. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Oh. And what, I so, was there a fire escape then? So, that's too? another thing. That's another thing where people think that he was hiding from somebody, and that's why he didn't want a room that faces like the street or at ground level where somebody could get into his room. Hmm. But being 10 stories high, you would not be able to get into that hotel room. Well, you could with the fire escape or something, though. Yeah. No? I say he was a con man going from town to town, and Got now he's done enough that they're following him. And, mm-hmm. and maybe Don was his partner, personalities. But, his, but his partner turned him in or something. But right. somewhere there's going to be a UFO in this story. I'm thinking that <laughs> it's after you got aliens. That's the story. I'm sticking with the multiple personalities. <laughs> That's the thing that sticks out with me. I don't know that you can't answer the questions that you're that are concerning to you. I'm sticking with the multiple personalities <laughs> because that to me that makes sense too. Like, well, who did this to you? Nobody. I did it to myself. You know. Well, yeah, but that that tells me it's somebody who's fearing for their life. Mm-hmm. I say they're going to kill me and kill my mother or kill my family, you know what I mean? Right. That kind of thing. So that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Where right. you're being threatened by the you know, mafia or people that you you, know, you never disclose who it is that's chasing you because yeah, right. the consequences would be worse. Right. I'm sticking with the personalities. <laughs> I'm sticking with the uh, con man 
I'm sticking with the mafia. I know a guy named Louie. I bet he was involved in this. Yeah. <laughs> I bet he was. Well, he would have been around in 1935. No, he wouldn't have been around. Still to this day, do not know what happened to Artemis Ogletree at the President Hotel in 1935. Isn't there a TV show that's like... 10 for, room 1046 or something like that. There like might a, be. And it's, it's like, I don't think it really, it, I, I don't think it really revolves around this case, but it's like a, a haunted Paranormal, room. Yeah. And like, well, yeah. Like every week, a different thing happens. Yes, on there. Maybe yes, like yeah. Suicide or a drug overdose. Yeah, or, right. Yeah. yeah. So I did just look up Ronald T. Owen, multiple personality disorder, and nothing came up. Oh. <laughs> Look up, well, Artemis look up Owen con man. No, put Artemis uh, Ogletree. Because Artemis Ogletree is his real name. That's the right, real person. Right. So put Artemis Ogletree, multiple personality. Try that first. Okay, say the name again. Artemis. 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 Ogletree. Artemis. Alexa, who is... I forgot. Artemis Ogletree. Yeah, nothing's coming up under that name too. But I bet you, yeah. I mean, that's the first thing that like popped in my head when you were talking. But or the staff is all in on it. Yeah, and basically right. killing hotel guests. Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing anything for con man either. Well, obviously, the woman who keeps going to these rooms is a Bible salesman. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it is. Oh, so or, he, he was only 17 when he left Alabama in 1934. So he was only 18 years old when all of this oh, happened. Oh, so he was in the... Yeah, oh my gosh. He was super young. So he was a happened. kid. That's crazy. Um, what about his cauliflower No, I mean, ear. His ear? He could have been a fighter. It didn't say anything about that, but it sounded like he maybe He had three, or he was, I think, the youngest. He was a Jehovah Witness. He was the youngest of three boys, so it was probably just roughhousing. And he got yeah. the scar from an accident, so it was probably just, you know, roughhousing. Yeah, you know how the youngest always gets scarred by the other older two. Mm -hmm. I bet yeah they rolled him up in a mattress and threw him down the stairs. Yeah. No. Never. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of weird too. The cauliflower ear. That's a a weird thing. Well, I mean, it's. Not, I mean, well, it's common in it's boxers a, because they get hit right. in the face a lot, but it's not like it only right. happens. It's it's any time your ear gets hit with enough pressure to fill right. up with fluid and it's not but typically yeah but typically it's from like re repetitive yeah hit getting hit and breaking cartilage, cartilage and, multiple times uh, yeah yeah well and you know it's funny how his mother didn't describe his childhood or you know you don't know anything have. yeah she may have but it's probably irrelevant to the story right so. Once because with even like even the cauliflower ear, like it's not really relevant to the story, it was just relevant to identifying him for identifying who he was, yeah. yeah, right. And maybe he was born with a cauliflower ear, just a, de de a deformity. deformity. Where did the story take place? So, this was in Kansas, oh, wow. Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. 
which mm-hmm. I actually just recently found out. I feel Kansas like Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas City, Kansas. Yes, but did you know they're literally like ne- right next to each other? Like they're literally yeah, just over yeah. the state line. I don't know they're why. Just, yeah, they're, I didn't it's realize. like a big city that's just yeah, the two. border. Of, yeah. I don't know why yeah. I felt like I was like that's yeah. I mean, it makes sense that it's just one big city and then the border cuts. But I don't know why. But yeah. I was thinking that they were like not. Like, who, who's like, you know what? I'm going to name it Kansas City. You know what? I'm going to name it Kansas City, too. <laughs> no, yeah, I always think of it as, like, it's one, big, it's one big city, but then it's split down the border. I don't know why. Like, I was looking at a map. I'm like, oh. It, yeah, I guess <laughs> like, it's, like, all clicking together. But he yeah. was in Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah, so that's, yeah. like, one place in the United States that if you want to drive to two different states but remain in the same city, there you go. Or Vancouver. Huh? It's Vancouver, Washington, and it's Vancouver, Canadian. Canada. But it is like, so. But they're separated. They're like separated by the entire state. So I live five minutes from Vancouver, Washington, but it's about six hours to get to Vancouver, British Columbia. Yeah. Ovid, Michigan, and Ovid, New York. Yes, but the <laughs> but the thing is, is that they literally are right they're next to each other. Yeah, they're like it's, next to each other. It's the same, it's the same Paris, city. Paris, Texas, and Paris, Canada. Yep, I know, but we're talking Paris, about France. Paris, France. That hold the same city. Two states that hold the same Mom, city. Mom, he's today. just fucking with us. Oh. 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 oh, oh, oh. <gasps> Oh my Sorry. stars! <laughs> I use profanity. <laughs> we are an adult show. <laughs> but that's all I got. Oh that's the that is the mysterious death of Artemis Ogletree. I kind of I Dan I kind of agree with you too. Like he's got to be a con artist or you know something along those lines where he just he conned the wrong person and right. That he was trying to hide in the and he shows up in town and these people just kind of are following him. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. I didn't know this either, but uh, Kansas City, uh, Kansas or Missouri is very—it's got a lot of mob activity in that yes. in the city. So that's another another mm-hmm. indication that maybe oh. the mob was involved. That Kansas City, Missouri, or both. Yes, both. He was a cocky kid and got mixed up with the wrong people. Yeah, maybe, or maybe he was like maybe he was a fighter and he threw a foot uh, through a fight. Right, and right. They yeah, they him to lose fun. and he yeah. won a fight. And they came out. That could him. be too. Yeah, that could really be. And maybe that's why he was he meant was... to throw a fight and didn't, and so he's running. Yeah, and yeah, and maybe whoever you know, like they lost a lot of money, so. Mm-hmm. And if the if there is a theory with the mafia being involved, maybe that's what it all kind of comes down to. Is he he didn't Pissed throw the fight like person. he was throwing? Yeah, right. that makes sense. See, and it could explain just, why he was outside the hotel and he was swearing revenge on whoever attacked mm-hmm. him. Yeah, crazy. That is crazy. I have a question though too. So, 1935, obviously there was a phone, but wouldn't it have been like a switchboard type of. That's what they meant. Phone. That's what. So that's what they kept asking to go get his phone back on the line because they could hear the everything that was happening, and they could hear that nobody was oh. on the line, 
but it was off the hook. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I was thinking, you know. No, the switchboard operator kept noticing that it was off the hook, but she couldn't hear anybody talking on the line. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Strange. It is kind of strange. What I think is kind of strange, though, I mean, we have people that disappear or, you know, die in mysterious ways, like, every day, but we don't hear about it that much. You know, right. I don't know, because I feel like this is kind of a common thing for hotels. Because, yeah. you know, if you think Eliza Lamb, she mm-hmm. mysteriously died in a hotel... Um, mm-hmm. there was, I, I can't remember her name, but there was a young woman who, uh, is seen on a camera footage, very drunkenly stumbling through a hotel, and then she's not found until the next morning in the hotel freezer, dead, mm-hmm. and they don't know what happened yeah, to her. Um, yeah. so this is kind of something that happens quite a bit in hotels, and we just kind of... Mm-hmm. CV hotels. Well, yeah, yeah. CV who knows? Yeah, that one, the freezer the... one, though, isn't that one, the, like, the theory is really that she was drunk and just, like, stumbled into the kitchen and well, so got that herself was into what the freezer and stuff? Well, that was what they basically tried to say, but it wasn't, like, it was one of those things where it's, like, nothing was adding up with that because, and I actually think, yeah, that's right. yeah. I think they actually like, the video found... footage wasn't really. Yeah, they kept, they kept giving, like, edited versions of the footage, and they're like, where's mm-hmm. the full version of this footage? Like, what? Who's yeah. on the footage? And I think I might be incorrect on this one, but I think they did solve it in that it was somebody who worked at the hotel. Right. But I can't. I it kind of reminds me, and I can't remember the lady's name. She was on a cruise with her family. Yeah. And I can't remember her name, but then she like all of a sudden like went missing on this cruise, and they thought, oh, did she fall overboard? Mm-hmm. You know, because they were all out drinking and having a good time, and. And everybody went to bed, and I think she was sharing a room with her brother or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, yeah, kind of a similar situation. And yeah. I don't think that they've ever really solved what happened to her, but she was No, they dancing. did. I don't, I don't know what it was, but, again, it was it was a worker. Um, the worker, That's it, yeah. It was the worker yeah. who had multiple instances of complaints about him being inappropriate with oh. guests. Um, oh. And I can't remember if he threw her over or what, but he did, they figured out that he killed her oh nice okay yeah because i did say yeah i know that there was video footage of her like dancing and hanging out with a worker yeah and yeah. it was him yeah yep ah. so i guess the lesson that everybody should know is don't go off don't by yourself <laughs> don't check into a hotel room by yourself don't answer the door if you're by yourself yeah. stay alert Stay alive. And and don't drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That is, I don't know, there are so many stories, too, about just, especially women. You know, it's mm-hmm. mostly women, but just like, oh, poof, and they, they're gone. Yeah. So. Aliens. Aliens. <laughs> So, why did you guys switch? Because dad was too hot. Oh. That, I was 
It looks nice and cool in the beach there, but <laughs> it's really muggy. Mm. So why did this you... is breezy? This is real breezy here. Oh, okay. You could have. So you mean mom go sit in there? You guys couldn't share a camera. Has your mother ever not been cold? <laughs> I said um, we need to switch the rooms because it's always cold out there, and I'm freezing to death. And he always complains that it's hot in here. Hmm. Well, just you know, it's in the library. Mm-hmm. Or the library. you know, your own room. You don't have to use yeah. a green screen if you sit in your own room. I know. I could just go up in our own bedroom. I'm, I'm in, I'm yeah, actually, I'm no, You're in especially your now that I know you guys switched, you know, that was easy enough. <laughs> I was trying to get him to just take his computer out there and my computer in here, but he wouldn't do it. Yeah. I'm actually in my office, but as Danielle pointed out earlier today, before I had my backdrop on. I have a gumball machine behind me. <laughs> I know. And you, uh, you can see out my window. And I'm always terrified. I mean, I have shades now, but like, I'm always terrified that I'm, I'm going to like be watching the video, like seeing that and seeing somebody look in the window <laughs> at me. As, 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 we're doing this, as we're doing this, we see somebody looking in your window. Yeah. But see, oh, I'd I rather would, see them than right. not know that that they're behind me. That's me too. That's why I, I would rather know that they're there because I want to see the person. I don't want them peeking through. No, no, so thank you. If the curtains are closed, then I can't see that person. <laughs> if the curtains are closed, they can't see me. <laughs> yeah, but they can be peeking through and stuff. Uh, no. <laughs> but if they're open, obviously they're not going to stand there because obviously you're right in front of me. People need to respect boundaries. Boundaries, or you end up don't in room touch somebody you don't know, stabbed <laughs> to death. Don't touch somebody you don't know. Think about what you're doing. That's what he was mumbling about on the other side of that door. He's like boundaries, boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything to add to Cassie's story? D, you're being awful quiet. Freaking. Are you got your feet in the water right now? Mm-hmm. Toes in the sand. Yeah. Uh, cold beer in your hand. It looks like it probably cold off there a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Good. Okay. All right, everybody. Um, thanks for joining us. Check us out at thefamilyschoolofthought at gmail.com. Like us, uh, share Subscribe. Subscribe. Comment. Comment. We've Find got a few on, comments, uh, so we're getting we're getting there. I noticed we're getting yes. some comments. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So thank you for your comments. We appreciate yeah. that. Give us more comments. Give us some suggestions. More suggestions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Write to us. I'm always looking for something to look up. Yeah, you got two a weeks topic. before you gotta have, need a topic, so. Help me out, somebody. Okay, guys. We'll see you next week. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.